podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love, and we're your hosts, Shelby and Matt. Yeah. <laughs> Here to talk about Promising Young Woman. Yes. Finally, I got Matt to agree to do a movie about women. I'm so thrilled. I was sure that this would be this year's Hustlers and that you would just be like, no, we're covering i don't even know if people remember we instead of covering hustlers we covered the very popular <laughs> and still goldfinch. relevant the goldfinch oh, so dear. man that's why we get reviews that say we want industry people because you thought that was a good choice that was a movie that only industry people saw shelby <laughs> only industry but people all the industry only people, people who were trash. actively in that movie saw that movie that's the only people who saw it it was us and yeah. ansel elgort yeah. and nicole kidman <laughs> Yeah, but I'm so excited to be talking about this. I don't even know where to start except to say that right off the bat, I truly did love this film. And I think what worked supremely well is just how surprising it all was given the promotion it received. So if you guys care about spoilers, I would say maybe don't listen to this episode because I think it'll be hard to talk oh, you're about getting this into without, spoilers. without talking about it, you know? Uh, I mean, yes. Yes and no. I <laughs> I mean, I so, you'll still be able to enjoy the movie if you listen to this. But I'm just well, saying. yes, there is a, there's a twist. But I I feel like we can talk about a lot of the stuff without getting to that point. I don't oh, know. I feel like everyone. I mean, this is starting. I guess my version of a spoiler alert because everyone I talked to who saw trailers for this movie thought it was about a woman murdering men. So. I think right off the bat, it subverts expectations, I, oh. I should say. so Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone I talked to was like, OMG, a serial killer lady. Cool. <laughs> That's... I mean, it's so it's it's interesting what other people. Speaking of industry folks, (laughs) it's interesting what like normal people think about movies. It always fascinates me because I spend so much time like on film Twitter and reading reviews and listening to podcasts that I feel like I know the general consensus of a movie. So I'll be like, oh yeah, everybody hates that movie, and then you know someone will say like, oh, did you see uh, Green Book? (laughs) <laughs> yeah green book well, what a great film and you're like well i mean there's so many bad things about it they're like what it was the best movie i've ever seen you're like oh interesting that my the the people who i follow on twitter have not gotten to you in your normal life where yeah, you like, don't you you're not doing? obsessed with you're this not on social media on film twitter like what's happening i mean i feel like i knew I always knew that this wasn't a serial killer, but I don't know. Maybe I didn't. But this movie has had a very long lead up because it was filmed back in 2019 and had its debut at the Sundance Film Festival back in January of 2020 with plans on it being released, I think, in the spring of that year Mm -hmm, of last year. mm -hmm. And then obviously the pandemic happened and it kept getting pushed back to the summer and to the fall. And then it came out on theaters on Christmas. But obviously a lot of theaters aren't open. So then it got, you know, delayed and it came out on VOD, what, this past week or something? Mm -hmm, Um, But it's like there were thousands of people who had seen this movie back in January, you know, at all of these film festivals. Mm-hmm. So I had been hearing good things about this, good things about Carrie Mulligan's performance this whole time. They had released a trailer back then. And, you know, so I had been seeing this trailer various times. And yeah, it's this woman. The main plot of the movie is that Carrie Mulligan is this character who goes to bars on the weekend and pretends to be drunk and gets guys to take 
her home with them. And then once these guys are taking advantage of her, she sort of like wakes up and is like, dude, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And I guess, yeah, if you watch the trailer, you could think that, well, then she kills them all, but she doesn't. (laughs) She just, you know, sort of like scares scares them half to death and then goes back to her house. Yeah. I think this movie works well on a lot of levels but right at the heart of it it's sort of this obvious take on rape culture and you have this acidic character with Carrie Mulligan um, where she's clearly driven by some past wrong and she's on this sort of vigilante course to to call out men for their bad behavior and I think it took me by surprise because tonally you have this very dark subject But then visually, it's all pastels and pretty pink bows and cute sweater sets and pretty sundresses. And Carrie Mulligan has pastel nails and a pretty braid. And it's just like, I thought that was such a mesmerizing way to sort of capture this sort of the toxicity of rape culture and feminism and how we think about women and how we think about pain and how how that's usually presented in movies as like a woman, like I think of the total opposite of this movie, which is the Jennifer Gardner revenge movie where her family's slaughtered by a, by oh, a peppermint. Gang. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> she, mm-hmm. she learns to fight and she goes on this bloody rampage. And that sort of has been the picture of female rage. Whereas the director here, Emerald Fennell, she argues that, when women are trying to hide their pain, they hide it behind like the most feminine idea of like perfection. And we're always trying to put on this front of like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Look at how together I am. Look how put together I am. I put on my makeup. I put on my clothes. Like I look great. There's nothing wrong with me. And I think that was an interesting way to, to kick off things in this movie because it is kind of like a distracting element at first where you're like, Whoa, like this is very pretty, but it's also very dark. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird uh, sort of juxtaposition of, yeah, the subject matter and then kind of the tone. Mm-hmm. And it does feel like it's it's maybe sort of in the same space as like, I don't know, like Ready or Not or The right. Hunt or something. But then obviously the subject matter is much darker and it gets more serious than those movies do. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that I thought was interesting is in the casting of this, yes. where most of the people in the cast are traditionally comedic actors. You know, you have like mm-hmm. Bo Burnham, Alison Brie, Jennifer Coolidge, Laura, Laverne Cox, like these people who are usually funny, aren't doing too much serious acting. And even in this, they're like, they're not that oh, right. serious. You know, like they're not going for the Oscar winning, you know, tearful performances. Yeah. But it's, yeah so it's i think it's a it's an interesting i think it's a really well done choice to kind of pair these together because it sort of like lulls you in as Mm -hmm. a viewer and then kind of sucker punches you especially as you know she's confronting these various guys and also various other people who are attached to this kind of you know culture that allows men to behave this way and you see it you see her addressing so many different people who, you know, are kind of tangentially related to this, Mm -hmm. that I think it's very easy to watch the movie and think like, oh, yeah, these guys are gross. Get them. And then you go like, oh, shoot, maybe I've said that or maybe I've thought about this or maybe, you know, I could see myself behaving badly in this situation just kind of because I 
you know, don't want to be inconvenienced by things. Mm -hmm. So it does a really good job of kind of like sneak attacking the audience, I think. Yeah, I think that was it was like I knew I would love this movie just because it's kind of my bread and butter. But I was surprised by how how I mean, one, how surprising it all was just tonally, just character, like all of that and the dark comedy of it all. Um, But yeah, it was just like, it was a movie that surprised me with every turn, which is hard to do, especially in today's world of just like everyone tweeting everything. Yes. But like, I really liked that, you know, usually with a story about rape, you have a lot of, yeah, like you said, sort of these sad Oscar performances of ruined, emotionally destroyed people clawing their way out of some pit of darkness and here you see so many people who have figured out how to move on with their lives whether that's the villain of the story with this rapist who doesn't care or the parent of the um the friend who we slowly find out was the victim of a assault and eventually died killed herself i think the implication is Mm -hmm. and we see her mom who has kind of moved on and is urging carrie mulligan to but then carrie mulligan's character is just stuck in this really toxic place of not being able to let go and i think that was such an interesting choice to make the the star of the movie not the victim itself but just this another layer of victimhood where you kind of see that rape doesn't just affect this one person but it has a ripple effect and we're meant to sit with someone who is not handling it well but we empathize with her but then we also judge her for some of her choices in this movie where it gets like truly dark when she she finally decides to enact her revenge and she goes after these people in these really dark ways and I thought that was something that really surprised me because I'm used to the perfect victim almost where we we Mm -hmm. have this sad story and you're just like oh my gosh that is so horrible like of course this is emotional but here we're kind of having to wrestle with a very unhealthy response and and figuring out how we're engaging with that character as she goes through this entire movie that kind of culminates in some very poor choices on everyone's part well just shows you how negatively affects everybody Mm -hmm. and how you know it's hard to you can't move on from it and it detrimentally affects you in so Mm -hmm. many different ways yeah so quick quick summary i guess um carrie's character um whose name i cannot remember cassie 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 used to be in medical school but dropped out because of an event that affected her best friend which we slowly find out was this rape that kind of went on unpunished and un- yeah, like a fraternity party or yeah. something at some kind of party yeah so they were all in med school they got wasted this girl was gang raped or at least was raped by one person and watched by this whole party of people and cassie has not been able to like let go of that and has dropped out of med school she now works at a coffee shop she lives at home people are just she's just like in this arrested development and her family's urging her to find some reason to live and then she meets bo burnham who is a acquaintance from med school who remembers her and they begin this romantic relationship but through that she realizes that the there's a chance for her to enact this revenge she's been dreaming about in a way that goes she can go straight to the source instead of getting her you know revenge on these strangers at bars and so then she has this sort of three-act moment where she attempts to confront people who she feels were directly responsible for the eventual suicide of her friend. And that was when the movie got like 
I mean, it was sad and it was dark, but then you see these like moments where you think, oh yeah, she's going to go after the man and she's going to like, you know, ruin his life and he's going to deserve it. But it does complicate things because first she goes after this girl who she feels wasn't in their court the way she needed him. She goes after the, um, the school Dean Dean in like a really surprisingly dark way. I wondered how you reacted to all that. The way that she sort of manipulates these people or enacts her revenge are ways that are really traumatizing for the person, but Mm -hmm. ultimately like aren't like she doesn't actually do the thing that they're afraid that she has done to them. And so there is kind of a little bit of a bait and switch, which I think you're supposed to like Cassie for like, she's, she's teaching them a lesson, but at the same time, she's not like putting them through the trauma that she was put through necessarily. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, and that's, that as an audience member is kind of fun to watch because she's doing these kind of like pranky hijinks, uh, you know, like these con. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's like, it's not like she's, you know, just taking someone out to the woodshed and like beating right. them around. It's like she sets up these elaborate scenarios that then this bad person kind of falls into of their own accord. Yeah. Um, and she wants them to feel as she felt or to admit that they're wrong right. or she's seeking yes. some sort of, I don't know, just proof that it affected them more than they're letting on. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause she's obviously wants to change people's minds and change yeah. society, but I don't think she really knows how to go about that in a good right. way. And she has all this anger. So she's just taking it out on people in sort of the best way that she knows how um uh, i guess before we get too much further into the plot too so this movie it was written and directed by emerald fennel who is uh, an actress who you might know from call the midwife and she was in this most recent season of the crown Mm -hmm. she also wrote and uh produced the second season of killing eve which i feel like maybe is more of this vibe but then also when she was pitching this she sold it to margot robbie so margot Mm -hmm. robbie is like the lead producer on this movie it was her production company that made it so like if this were to get nominated for a best picture it'd be margot robbie who won the oscar for that so i don't know did you feel like did you feel like that this kind of worked as a directorial debut or did you like kind of see cracks and stuff just in the way that it was made and uh like or did you see connections to killing eve like i don't know it it feels like such a unique movie to come sort of out of nowhere that i wondered what you thought about that yeah no i mean i really loved it like i did and i i think it was a really strong debut and it sort of reminded me of Olivia Wilde coming out with Booksmart and just having a movie that really worked well in a very Mm -hmm. unique way and I think that is seen here because you know we've seen a lot of movies about rape culture we've seen a lot of movies trying to tackle that in various ways but this was the first one that like felt enjoyable in a very strange way and you had to sit there and kind of wrestle with what you found funny or fun about this movie Mm -hmm. and I I mean in reading interviews with Emerald and stuff like I think that was very intentional and I think it comes from a place where she happens to be a very girly girl and she's used to that sort of tension of wrestling with being the the like 
the one who looks bubbly and always on, but knowing this like dark side of humanity. And she talked about sitting at a table with friends one evening and, and sharing a story about like being harassed on the tube and all her guy friends were like, what that actually happens. And just that realization (laughs) pushed her to make this movie where she had this idea of the woman sitting up and suddenly not being drunk. And just this idea of how we always want to villainize the bad guy. We want to make him the evil shady figure. We feel is slimy and evil and has never done anything good with his life. And she sort of turns that on her head. And I think that she's the only person who could come into a movie like this and direct it well, because, you know, I think it'd be natural for older or like more seasoned directors to try and make it a cleaner character Mm -hmm. piece. Mm -hmm. Whereas she's like, this is the messiness of reality. This is like my youthful experience. And like, let's play it out in a way that feels authentic to her. And I think she, she brought a lot of herself into the movie that, that felt, interesting well she also does a really good job with the casting because all of the guys in this movie are sort of these nice guy (laughs) actors who you know from other things uh like adam brody or christopher mintz plus who when you sort of see them you're like oh i like them like they're a good person (laughs) and they all keep saying oh i'm a good person but then they do these horrible things and it makes you realize that the bad people aren't just the people who you're you can look at and immediately be like oh that's a douchebag like sometimes the worst people are the ones who look the friendliest on the surface which i yes. i thought she did a good job i'm interested in what you thought about bo burnham being in the movie and about his character because <laughs> yeah. i've been a huge bo burnham fan since middle school when he was making like uh, music videos on YouTube and then followed his career as he did stand up yeah. routines. And obviously, I adored Eighth Grade that came out a couple of years ago. And I think he was like perfect casting for this mm-hmm. because his whole image is sort of like the awkward, like dorky, nice guy. You know, all, everything in Eighth Grade was like him and, um, Elsie Fisher like just like hanging out and being like buds so when you see him in this movie and he's nice to her and they're getting along Mm -hmm. and it feels like oh well this is like this is the this is the proof that like not all guys are bad there's (laughs) good guys in the world and like you just have to find the right one and then you can fall in love and you think that or at least I thought sort of like oh "Oh, he's gonna like he's gonna sort of save her and then they're gonna be in this cute relationship and Spoiler alert, that's not exactly what happens. (laughs) I know. That was was a truly surprising twist because she does do this really good job where you just, like, want to believe in this, like, love story. This, Yeah, like you said, she's, he'll save her. He gives her a reason to live. Like, what a miracle that he stepped into her life. And then you realize, like, at every chance he had the opportunity to be the good guy he professed to be, he decides not to, to kind of save himself, to, to, to go inward and sort of panic and, and decide his skin is worth more than whatever, um, she threatens him with. And I think that was such an interesting choice. And I think he did a really good job because yeah, I think he didn't bother like winking at the camera. And I think that was part of Emerald, Emerald's, um, directing notes because she said that she wanted every actor to she told every actor that you're the like you're the protagonist of this movie i want you to wake up you you think you're the good person you're going about your life you think you're a good person and then someone tells you you're not and that's how i want you to approach this movie and i think he nails that where it is like 
you believe in him you're like oh wow like she finally realizes not all men are trash and then you unfortunately realize like no all men are trash (laughs) that's my takeaway of this movie at least Mm -hmm. i mean that's what i walked away feeling okay that's good good to know (laughs) um well i think that it sort of has uh, like Allison Williams in Get Out kind of energy yeah. where in the late in the movie you realize like oh the person who you thought was the ally wasn't all along but <laughs> unlike in that movie where she is just conning him the whole time yeah. in this movie I think he actually thinks that he is a good person and that yes. he didn't do anything wrong and so it it's almost like just as much of a sucker punch to him as it is to her as it is to us when it when you realize that oh wait no mm-hmm. he's not He's yeah. not a good job. I, I thought he did a really good job in the movie, though. I yeah. I thought all of the acting was really great. Yeah, I hope... Was. I was looking on Gold Derby, and it looks like Carrie Mulligan is in sort of, I, I think, a good place for mm-hmm. Best Actress. I feel like yeah. she'll definitely get nominated. It's sort of... I mean, it's a weird year because of COVID and whatever. <laughs> yeah. But I think the two performances that people have been liking the most are Viola Davis and... Uh, in Ma Rainey and then Francis McDormand in Nomadland which isn't out yet for us to see but supposedly is good but both of them have run, have won Oscars really recently uh, mm-hmm. so I think that Carrie Mulligan is in a spot where like she hasn't won an Oscar but she's an actress that everybody likes she's in this movie that feels like it's maybe more popular and more watchable than some of these other things that are going to mm-hmm. be up this year so I don't know. I'm, I'll be interested to see how that race kind of shakes out because I feel like she does have a chance at it. And, you know, we've got now only three months left before the Oscars. Oh, which... wow. Yeah, only. Crazy. Um, <laughs> no, I thought she was she did a really good job, but everyone in this movie did. And I think that was something that I was pleasantly surprised by because, I mean, I don't know, Bo Burnham hasn't been in a lot. And like you have a lot of these yeah sort of character actors which I was kind of expecting more I don't know like her parents more cartoonish but it all felt really human and like they all felt like real people and I appreciated that even as Cassie became more and more messy and like you had to sit with her choices and and really her suicidation by the end of it where she is willing to give up everything just for the idea of justice or exoneration for her friend who, who, you know, was a promising young woman. And then like, by the end you realize, well, Oh, Cassie was a promising young woman too. And like, what a waste, what, what a loss she was as well, just from a life that was spent trying to get people to care about something they refused to acknowledge. And I think that was such a powerful kind of, journey to take with her because all along I was like oh she's just got to let it go she's just got to move on but then you kind of realize like that's part of the endemic that's part of the problem is that we would rather keep the peace and like just put a neat bow on something than really wrestle with the ugliness underneath and I think again that was just like really clever of Emerald Fennel, I think, to kind of layer it slowly. So we get the story of her friend slowly. We meet the the villains of that story slowly. And it's kind of just these layers that are pulled back to to 
<laughs> reveal this true rot, which happens at the sort of climactic yeah. moment where she finally confronts the rapist himself and things well, yeah. take a turn. <laughs> I guess, yeah, so spoiler alert for sort of <laughs> yeah. like the ending and kind of the twist of the movie that we'll get into. But yeah, in the final, after she realizes that Bo Burnham also was there at this party where her friend was raped and, you know, didn't really do anything about it. She blackmails him into giving her the whereabouts of the rapist bachelor party that's happening. And then she goes there pretending to be sort of like a stripper and then confronts the, the guy and things go really poorly and the guy ends up killing her and then burying the body. But then in this twist, we realize that she actually had maybe not planned that, but like thought that, through and had sent all the evidence to another character in the movie who you know was also feeling guilty about it yeah yeah well sort of a bad guy who became a better person (laughs) but so that then in the final scene of the movie you know it's at this guy's wedding and then the police show up and bo burnham gets these texts that are like hey i find like i took me a long time but i finally got you guys Mm mm-hmm And I was wondering what your take on, like, her, how much she thought it through. Because, like, there's obviously a a way to read it that's like, oh, she kind of, like, wanted to die and was planning on dying when she went there. But then I also really wasn't sure. Because also you don't really get the, you see that she wrote this man a letter the the guy who eventually you know calls all the information to the police but you don't really get to see what's on the letter that closely so i was i don't know i was kind of confused like what her like was this her plan her plan the whole time or did it kind of go awry like what were your thoughts i kind of felt like it was sort of plan for the best prepare for the worst type situation Mm -hmm. because it does feel like she there's this moment where you do feel like the light has come out. She's in love. She There's a lovely little montage of romance. And you're just like, oh, she she has found a new will to live. And you're happy for her. But once that is robbed of her and she's like shattered all over again mm-hmm. and loses faith again. Like, I think that is a logical next step for someone who's been sitting in that hurt for so long that mm-hmm. she's just like, well balls to the walls like i'm going to go so hard and no matter how that plays out like i i need this to be my final like chapter like this is going to this is going to finish it once and for all and so did i think that she knew she would be murdered like no but i think she knew that should things go awry she couldn't trust any of these players to stand up for her right and so she was gonna lay the groundwork for like catching them in their own muck and i think that's what was so satisfying in the end because when it happened i was truly like stunned and it was really hard to watch and it kind of like happened in real time and really oh my gosh yes and you're just waiting for her to kind of somehow trick it all but it just like she just dies and it was really dark that was one of the most ballsy scenes of the movie i think yeah. and, and honestly if you're going to point to emerald fennel being a really good director i thought that was the scene yeah. that sort of did it because 
the guy sort of like gets loose and grabs her and then is trying to suffocate her with this pillow on the bed. Mm -hmm. And it's just one very, very long shot that starts sort of at the end of the bedroom and then slowly kind of moves around the bed and zooms in so that you can see his face. Mm -hmm. But the shot is probably what, like maybe two, three minutes long. Like it is a long painful shot to watch as she's like struggling under this pillow and trying to fight back and it's not working and then he i i don't know who that actor is but he was also i thought did a really good job uh, in that scene yeah oh okay he plays a very nice likable cute guy in glow (laughs) and it was very disconcerting to see they were getting (laughs) they were getting all the nice cute people in this one yeah also just carrie mulligan is so, like is such a good actress. Her voice and just yeah. like the way that she can say things mm-hmm. is so mesmerizing. Like I remember watching Wildlife last year and or a couple of years ago when that came out and she, it's just like you can't take her, your eyes off of her in any yeah. scene that she's in. And in this like she's funny when she, she's great when she's being sarcastic, she's great when she's being upset, she's great when she's sort of like happier but you can still tell that she's a little guarded she's just Mm -hmm. such a good actress and really does a lot with something that i'm sure other people wouldn't get as much out of you know it's like they're dancing in a pharmacy Mm -hmm. and she makes that scene so much better than if you know you or i were like okay dance in the pharmacy (laughs) like okay here i am like what am i doing yeah No, she was, I mean, that was part of it too, right? Is that you want to keep watching her. You want, you're like rooting for her to kind of destroy these people, even though you also know that it's kind of unhealthy and not, not exactly Mm -hmm. the best course of action. And so when she dies, like I, I mean, it was really traumatizing. And I think this movie does deserve a sort of content warning because not only do you have that, but you also have like the scenes where she's almost assaulted by these you know, likable guys. Oh the yeah. Club. Mm-hmm. And it's all like very hard to watch. And I think this was interesting too, because you're, you instantly recognize the loss of this movie without Carrie Mulligan and her absence is supremely felt. And I just kept waiting for some twist to be like a uh, body double. Like what happened? Yeah. Like, like how bring her back, bring out? her back. Yeah. She's twin. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then instead you're left with these two dudes like Max Greenfeld and, and this guy, as they decide to, you know, hide the evidence, and it's all very, like, almost cartoonish, like, the bro nature of these dudes just flippantly deciding this dead body on the bed isn't even worth, like, mourning. Like, they really don't spend any time caring about it, and I think it was a good choice that they didn't show her face, they didn't show, like, the body really at all. It was just these two dudes who were like, well, I don't want my life ruined, so, like, let's figure this out for me. And I think that was like tonally was really like hard to feel at first because you want to laugh at Max Greenfield being Max Greenfield and kind of this idea that like, I don't know, there's a scene where they're burning the body and her hand flips out of the fire and he just like kicks it back. And it's like funny, but you're also like, oh my gosh, like this is the one person in the movie I cared about. And now like, what do we do with this? Well, Laverne so Cox, don't, yeah. don't sell right. Laverne Cox short. Right. She's yeah, great she in this too. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this movie is playing with so many different genres because yeah. obviously it's also doing a lot of the Rambo, Peppermint, Liam Neeson kind of thing where like, I'm going to get revenge for this person who has died. Mm-hmm. So 
so, you know, the equalizer. So you have that mindset going in. And and in those type of movies, the action hero is, you know, blameless. Mm-hmm. So that is one thing that it's doing. And then it's also, I think, playing with these more like dark comedy satirical type movies, but going further than that. Yeah. And then it's also a really interesting character study and then you also have these twists in it so it's really it's mixing together a bunch of things that you're not used to mixing together and so you as the viewer have to sort of untangle them after the movie is done and be like okay what do i think about this like like was it too far was it not far enough like what was Mm -hmm. she saying but ultimately i think it's just showing like when people are allowed to or when guys are allowed to sexually assault people and get away with it and you just have this whole society that is built around sort of protecting them that Mm -hmm. it ruins everything it makes everything so messy there's not a good solution to any problem because Mm -hmm. there's so many problems tied up together around this issue that guys feel like they can do whatever they want and there's no real recourse for women yeah when it happened i was shocked that she went there but looking back it's like well how else could this have played out without it feeling like Disney, you know, because realistically, men aren't like easily punished. And the only reason those cops, you know, cared in a way in the end is because there was now this dead body and there Mm -hmm. was proof and it was easy and it was like a murder. It wasn't like, oh, well, was she drinking? Like, was she asking for it type thing? And I think that itself was an interesting way to tie up the film. And you also are watching these men who are so easy, easily moving on from this traumatic event that completely like a similar thing totally derailed this promising young woman's life and here they're getting married they're totally happy and cheersing like the fact that Bo Burnham's character went to that wedding was like the nail in the coffin for him because it's like that is disgusting that you know that this woman went there and you know that now she's missing and you know that these dudes are definitely probably involved in it and you're still going to go to the wedding because you want to protect your life mm-hmm. and I think that was like a good way to re- I don't know, reposition the, uh, not even reposition, but kind of refocus on the true like problem of the movie, which mm-hmm. is these men who don't have to worry about anything. And if it had ended with Carrie Mulgan being somehow successful and uh, like winning it all and, and zooming in on her happy face as she finally finds what she was looking for, it just wouldn't have felt authentic because yeah, like her path she was on was dark and it was doomed. And I think that's sad and we have mm-hmm. to deal with that part of it. But she allowed us to kind of feel some sort of catharsis when these men were caught for being the total assholes they were. <laughs> yeah, the mo- the version of this movie that ends with her and Bo Burnham sort of like riding off into the sunset yeah. together is just not as good of a movie. It doesn't... It doesn't yeah send it home in the way that this movie does that really makes you like look at the issues that surround you um was there anything else that we that you want to talk about that we didn't get to touch on i will say that jennifer coolidge honestly deserves oh yeah like she (laughs) she's such a funny person i feel like nobody utilizes her in movies well i mean she was in this she was fine whatever but i was like (laughs) i love that dinner scene i really thought that they I mean, it's a very quiet sort of humor in this. It's not like yes. really blonde, but I thought I thought she was good with what she was given. I need her, though, in like a road trip movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I need her yeah, in an RV yeah. kind of film right. where she can really shine. 
Yeah, where so she's not like good. a one-off sort of like character in like right. two scenes, but where she's like a co-lead with somebody. Yeah, like I, I did... want her and Bill Murray on a road <laughs> oh, trip. Wow. Yeah, I could see that. I think you know, if we were more industry people, you could pitch that <laughs> to someone. But I don't know where to send you with that. Um, but I do want to touch on. I mean, I honestly like forgot about this part, but the like, yes, there was this murder and it was all very dark but I think the scariest part for me were these scenes with these good guys who took her home and the way she plays that tension I thought was really interesting and um I really really liked the character she drew most notably the guy who was like I'm writing a book about how hard it is to be oh yes America Mm -hmm. and so a novel but he didn't really want to show it to anybody but you know he's just such a perfectionist Mm -hmm. yes and I think she that was something that stood out to me right away is that she had these people that could be considered caricatures except that they're also doing this very like unfortunately realistic thing which is taking advantage of women who aren't even really there to listen to them but these men are somehow getting off on feeling like wow they nailed this hot chick or this warm body even and I think um that just kind of stood out as another element that this was like a really well done movie is that every scene mattered even if it wasn't directly tied to sort of the central plot itself and the douchey or and the guys who take advantage of her are all sort of different versions Mm -hmm. of that Mm -hmm. man so you can you can sort of see uh you know it's not all the same type of person it's a different type of person and i really thought that it was smart the first scene is it's adam brody who is going to take advantage of her and he's with his friends at the bar and the friends are like oh my gosh like look at that girl she's crazy whatever (laughs) and he's like you know like guys stop it like don't treat her that way like i'm gonna go help and see if i can take her home which in general you're like oh he's the good guy like look at these loser friends he's with but he's the good one and it's like oh well that's how we can take advantage of her is because he's you know the nice one so i mean well in this case she doesn't really have her guard up at all because she's you know like completely inebriated but you you can see how in a real life scenario where she's more alert how like you could sort of be lulled into a false sense of security Mm -hmm. and then tricked by these people who are you know supposedly nice guys but are actually terrible people yes and i know we're working backwards now but i also loved the use of music in this movie and even the opening scene where it's zoomed in on all these like I mean, the crotches of these guys dancing at the club and they're all kind of schlubby and and unkempt and and drunk and and like just so unattractive. And yet they're the guys who are like ruling the world. Like it was just a striking way to start the movie set to Boys by Charlie, Charlie XCX. And then throughout the movie, you just have these peppered moments of very good. Oh, the soundtrack was so good. Paris Hilton in there. (laughs) Yeah, truly. Someone just like raided my Spotify account and... (laughs) yeah there's a there was a strings version of toxic by britney Mm -hmm. spears that was in the trailer that was amazing Mm -hmm. and then there's a slower version of it in the movie that's also good but i think is a different song like a different version of the song uh yeah i i love a movie with a good soundtrack like that honestly give me more of them (laughs) i don't know why we have to deal with these scores when we could just have a really killer (laughs) spotify playlist going on in the background I loved it. And honestly, it just 
I mean, I really like the Paris Hilton choice because, frankly, I didn't know that song existed. But I think Paris Hilton is another girly girl that's often written off as just a stupid, vapid chick who's not worth the air she breathes, basically, but who, in fact, is a is a media mogul and has, like, made a, a And a DJ and, now. And now a DJ. <laughs> and I think it's, like, interesting that she was able to use these pop songs to kind of add to the sort of sugar pop of the movie, but also to point out, like, we often just, just like, I don't know, she, like just shove women in these little boxes, but everyone's a little more complex than that. And look, this, this Paris Hilton song is the soundtrack to a very sweet moment in the movie that, that turned out to be a total, complete lie. And I, <laughs> I felt betrayed by how wonderful that song fit. I will say this, that I felt I could feel the low budget in that scene and also in the <laughs> coffee shop scene. I was like, this is not a real pharmacy and this is not a real coffee shop. These are definitely like... But it was a real pharmacy. They found it and it happened to have a rainbow sign. She said that in an interview once. <laughs> really? Because that was yeah. the cheapest looking pharmacy <laughs> I have ever seen. I was like, I for sure, this is like a, a lot somewhere. No, it's real. I, I did read mm-hmm. that. So. Well, I stand corrected, but it was ugly. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, the the reviews on this are mostly positive. Some people found it um, a little too stylized, Wall Street Journal said. Some people thought it was What is Wall Street Journal even doing out here? Honestly. Um, But a lot of people recognize that this is like a a very razor sharp, I guess, to use a cliche, debut. And I think it makes me excited to see what she'll do next. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think we can both agree that this would be a now, that you should watch yeah. this now, yeah. especially with the Oscars coming up and yes. what else is there out? And it's <laughs> VOD. Like, yeah, just do yourself a favor and rent it. Although you have, yeah. you need to be in the right headspace. Um, yes. Lightning round questions? Um, yeah, I guess I was going to ask, you know, we see a, a few different types of men. Like, what, unfortunately, would be your the one you'd fall for you know which guy would get you to go home <laughs> <laughs> uh of the, of these of, uh, like of the people of in the, the movie people in the movie yeah um you have like the adam brody you have yeah the writer you have the not the fedora. writer <laughs> not the fedora not a fed- yeah. i mean i guess it would have to be adam brody i mean i do i love bo burnham so honestly yeah, yeah. but i think that it's 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 tricky to say like whether Bo I mean Bo Burnham does turn out to be bad but like is he that same level of bad I don't know but but yes I would say Bo Burnham would be choice number one and then if that didn't work uh Adam Brody probably I I mean do you want the fedora does anybody want that (laughs) I will say like watching the guy from glow be the rapist I was very disappointed in him but because I really find him charming and I was like this is sad but then you're also like "Mm, makes you know who I was like somebody needs to talk to their agent is Allison Brie because between this and happiest (laughs) season back to back I was like Allison you like you can't just be playing literal devils (laughs) on the screen she's flexing her serious um, muscle she needs to be taken seriously i guess but but yeah. like she's not she's playing these stereotypes you know like <laughs> yeah. literally anyone could have been either of those roles yeah 
yeah, no, for sure. Okay, a less dark question. Um, if you were to drop out of med school and then just sort of like take a whatever job for the rest of your life, what would the job be? Like, would it be a barista? Like, what's your entry level position that you're like, I could do this for a while? I think I would want to work at Barnes and Noble. Okay. I, I don't think I could do restaurant work because it's like it's too stressful and it like takes too much effort. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I could do retail outside of like the clothing space. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't want to fold up shirts for the whole day, but I could like shelf books. I realize that this seems very far afield from who I am as a normal person (laughs) and the things that you would think that I would like doing. But I think that I would want to be like a, like one of these sort of like national park volunteers or whatever, you know, like I could see myself sort of in khaki riding around in a Jeep, (laughs) you know, like doing some kind of landscaping something or whatever. I don't know. I feel like if I had to pick a job to do the rest of my life, that was sort of an entry level type thing that doing something outdoorsy would be fun. Right. That's true. That I mean, I can see that. I don't think you'd last long, but maybe, you know, you spend <laughs> a lot of time in the sun in Florida. So I guess yeah, I'm, I'm feeling very outdoorsy <laughs> lately. Yeah. You know, I go on all these walks. I'm yeah. riding my bike around. I'm very but tan bugs and like, critters to deal with like that's i but think see, where you'd... bugs do not bugs and animals do not phase me at all okay okay so well, i'm very brave shelby i'm very brave <laughs> yeah um in this movie her parents gift her with a suitcase in the effort to urge her to move out of their home finally have you ever been given a gift that you would classify as passive aggressive a passive aggressive gift oh that's a good question um Yes. Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Um, (laughs) This was two Christmases ago. And uh, my parents gave me a grand total of 14 devotional books for Christmas. (laughs) And it was like, thank you I guess but like nobody else here is getting these so like what exactly are you trying to say I think they were taking a shot at my New York values as (laughs) as we'll say yeah that's that makes sense yeah I mean you know I hope you found some value in those Uh, every gift comes from the heart so I'll say this um some of them did not make it back to my uh, apartment (laughs) because my suitcase was overbooked and as it you know tends to be and i was there on the ground in the airport and i was like what's not making it back you know maybe five or six of these devotionals get me under that weight limit (laughs) well i uh, i really did try to think of an answer for this one but i i could i didn't have one so oh okay (laughs) um if you had to uh be some kind of a sexy something or another for a bachelor party what would your occupation be she's like a nurse or a doctor i guess in this i guess i'd be the Barnes and noble worker or uh... (laughs) no i'd be the i'd be the ranger i'd be the oh yeah this way to see the little farm critters (laughs) like please um i guess i'd go for uh the the like you know, subvert expectations and be the sexy firefighter, but a woman. Okay. Do you see that a lot? Like, can you get a a woman firefighter? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, Shelby, you definitely can. Have you ever been to a Halloween store? Oh, yeah. You're right. You're right. If you're you're looking for something that they don't have for a sexy costume, you really have to be looking 
far because I think they have just right. about anything. Maybe like you like could a, go as a sexy Starbucks cup, like yeah, honestly. Like a sexy pie astronaut. I think they probably have that, although maybe not because of the. I don't. I don't know. I think I would want to go as a sexy pinata. I was thinking oh, about this. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. How would that? I don't. Work? You know, sort of like box with the fringe or whatever. I think. I think I could make it work. I guess. Yeah. I mean, uh, dick in the box, right? Yeah. That's basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I, you know, it's like I just have a little pinata sort of around my waist. Yeah. I'm gonna need to do a couple be, of sit ups you know before I, I get there, but you know, is a better last career choice like i think that should be your next move pinata stripper yeah. but see you can't be a stripper for that long i feel like i'm already aging out of the stripper period right. yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know where you'd get hired but i mean i am i do think that i'm truly peaking at the moment as far <laughs> as physical attractiveness goes but yeah you should i still I think that that uh, I I don't know that I have that many years in front of me of a stripper ability. (laughs) Well, um, in more family friendly terms, um, what song would woo you in a pharmacy? Should someone know all the words to like what would be so attractive for someone to actually know every word to? Oh, that's okay. 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 Um, this is gonna be nerdy, I think. Probably <laughs> like if somebody knew all of the lyrics to like a song f- like from a musical that <laughs> like like if someone could really do like all of, you know, something from company, I would wow, that would probably yeah. be it. But like, they break out into Oklahoma and you're like, Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, except for I don't really like Oklahoma. But you know, like Stephen Sondheim stuff is like really fast. Yeah. But then if they could, they would do that. It probably just meant that they were a dorky theater kid in high school. So, you know what? Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, this is a hard question. Was, I need to think. What if it was um, Yaya Ding Dong? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't do it for you? No, that would. That that yeah. would. That would. If yeah. someone knew Yaya Ding Dong, <laughs> I mean, or um, really any of the songs from Eurovision, yeah. that would get me. That yeah. would get me. <laughs> I, I, I rewatch. I try. I, while I was in Florida, put on Eurovision and was like, everybody needs to watch this. This is great. People turned it off after half hour. But I was like, (laughs) the first half hour, still really good of this movie. I'm so sorry they didn't support you in that. Did they get to the part with them? Oh, why do I always forget his name? Uh, Dan Stevens? No, they did not get to Dan Stevens. R.I.P. Um, no, they, they got to the, they didn't even get to the part where the boat blows up with Demi Lovato in it. So oh they didn't make goodness. it that far in the movie. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. That's disappointing. I'm sorry for you. Um, but uh, anyways, is there any better way that you can end an episode than my talking about Eurovision? Yeah. I think not. <laughs> yeah. So we'll end it right there. We'll be back next week. I think on my version of the calendar, we're talking about that new Denzel Washington movie that's coming out, but oh, I right. don't know if there's something better, but I feel like that people want to... That's that, yeah, And that's I, on HBO Max with Jared Leto and Rami Malek. I'm sure we'll hate it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love Denzel, so it's mm-hmm. a tricky... Jared tricky. Leto, though. <laughs> but Jared Leto. Jared, there'll be stuff to talk about with Jared Leto right. and Rami Malek. I'm sure they'll both be doing a lot. Do you think he so, sent a dead rat to Denzel Washington, or that's if, just reserved for... If Denzel Washington would be like, get this crap out of here. Like, <laughs> recast this person. Denzel Washington has enough clout that he can easily get Jared Leto kicked <laughs> off a movie if he wants to. I yeah. f- fully believe that. 
so maybe we'll be talking about that. Maybe there'll be something else that comes out. Maybe we'll talk about Blown Away season two. Who knows? <laughs> but we'll be back next Thursday or next Tuesday with a pop culture roundup. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media. We're at PS You're Wrong. Also, go leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, yes. everybody, and be super wonderful. Um, until then, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> okay, I'm ready whenever you are. Okay. Okay.